Hey guys. Okay, so it's funny our services are so different, guys. This is, you know. So for most of you, it's traditional to start a sermon with a joke. I don't have time. So for most of you, this is a reminder. Some of you, this will be the first time you've heard this, but it feels to me like this is a really important reminder as we go into Advent, as we go into Christmas, but it's a really important reminder as Christians, we are men and women of God. Those of you who have given your life to Jesus, who have heard that call, you are no longer ordinary people. You are children of God. You are ambassadors. The trouble is, some of you have been ambassadors for so long that you've forgotten what it was like before. The world we live in is pretty dark. And I'm sorry, I know, you know, let's get the downer straight away there. For most people who live in this world, they recognise how broken it is. For us who are Christians, for us who know Jesus, we recognise how broken it is because we have seen what it looks like in Scripture, in our understanding of it being repaired. We know that, yes? We have an image. We've been reminded of it so beautifully with the prayers earlier. We have an image of what God's plan for the universe is. For those who don't know Christ, for those who have not received Jesus yet, what are they supposed to compare to? They don't know. They are not deliberately obtuse or ignorant. They just don't know. Yet there is something in the human heart that yearns for the repair. It's kind of like a spiritual genetic memory of who God is and where we're supposed to be. We are supposed to live in relationship with God. We are supposed to live in the garden. We are supposed to live in the knowledge of every moment, of every day, of every second, that you are loved and valued and you are created in God's image, in God's hand, for a purpose, for freedom. We're supposed to know that. That's how we're supposed to live. Now, watch the news. Take all of that knowledge away and the idea that you know that And how hopeless is that? And some people will say, well, you know, the world, it's worse than it's ever been. No, it's not. Can I ask a question? Has anyone here read a history book before? So we'll just leave that behind. The world is no worse than it's ever been. It's no better than it's ever been. It's just the world. It's broken, it's fallen. 
And the solutions that are suggested in the world are politics. If only we had the right political party. It'd be nice if we had a bit of integrity. It'd be great if we could have more money. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have news that was uplifting? Wouldn't it be great if we could all have this good education system, health system, all the rest of that? And if we fix that, if only we fix that bit, it would be, it would be better. And if only if we fix that bit, it would be better. And as human beings, over centuries, over centuries, we have done everything we possibly can to fix the world we broke in the first place. And do you know what? It never works. Sorry, am I the only one who's noticed? <laughs> I need to remind you. We yearn for God. Yes? They yearn for rescue. You know what rescue looks like. I know what it looks like. I know who God is. For most of the world we live in, they have no clue why it's broken. They have no clue how it could get fixed. All they have is a relentless, never-ending run of rubbish that occasionally is repackaged to look nice. Well, that their internet, that works, doesn't it? Oh, it's great. It's, if you have the internet, you have complete freedom. Complete freedom of knowledge, complete freedom of movement, complete freedom of expression. How's that going for you guys? Just thought I'd ask. Oh, you know what? When we have a health service, you'll have health, you'll have everything right. It'll be really good. How's that working, guys? The reason it's not fixed by those things is because that's not the problem. About 500 years before Jesus was born, maybe 700, depends on your dating. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is Isaiah 9. This is the beginning of Advent. This is the passage we use. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. People recognise that they are in darkness. They need to see the light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. I can't read these words without thinking of Handel's Messiah. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called. I had to say it like that. <laughs> Wonderful counsellor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. <laughs> Guys, this is not news. I'm aware of that. But God has a plan. God has a plan. God has exercised that plan. You don't know how much you need it until you see it. And it feels ridiculous, the plan God has. Because God's plan is not politics and power and information. God's plan is Jesus. And it's one of them plans that until you experience it, you just cannot imagine it might be true. And this sermon is supposed to be called The Gift of Grace. Sorry, guys. Grace is not the gift. 
The gift is Jesus. The gift is new life. The gift is salvation. The box is grace. That's how you get it. And grace is defined as a free gift. It is something that is absolutely given without strings attached. Grace is yours. Grace is there if you want it. It says in Ephesians, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. So the grace is the box. We believe that. So we have faith for that. That saves us. And this is not from yourselves. It's nothing you can do. It is of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For those fans of Luther, we've done it. Ephesians has come out again. So the gift of grace is the actual rescue. That is the important bit. You know about that. Well done. You did nothing to earn it. You've received it and you're saved. And thank God. (sighs) You know that relentless darkness? It's not relentless. Because I've seen a great light and it's dawned. But for so many people it hasn't. Grace is the unmerited gift of divine favour. And what does it do? Well, this is how I reckon grace works, really works. I'm just going to cut away from all of this stuff. If you want a library on grace, there's at least three or four in, in Cambridge. There's another few in London. You know, that's fine. Picture yourself. You are up to your waist in mud. The more you struggle, the more you sink. It's slurping at you. It is dragging you down. And then a hand comes. And you can grab hold of it. And it pulls you out. That's grace. Nothing you could have done could have rescued you because the more you struggle, the more you move around, the more you try and get out, the worse it gets. Has anyone ever been to the beach and that's happened with your feet in the sea? Oh, it's horrible, panic-inducing. But you see, God sees the darkness. He perceives the darkness just as we perceive the darkness. The difference is God knows why the darkness is there. The darkness is there because humanity, in its very core, its very root, genuinely believes that it knows better than God. And we broke it. The whole of creation. The moment we said, did God really say? And if Yvette's watching, that's the Bonhoeffer. This is the key. And I need to remind you, please let me remind you. This is what God has done for you. Can I ask a question? Taking into account the fact that, you know, you're in Bishop Stalford, so most of you are pretty middle class, and I'd really like a response. Please support the preacher. (laughs) Who here has experienced God's grace? Put your hands up, guys, if you've experienced it. That would be great. Now, put your hand down if you regret it. 
See, now some of you are actually putting your hands up properly. We know, thank you, we know what the grace of God does. We see it. I don't need to tell you my testimony. My testimony, I need God's grace all the time. Between services, oh my gosh. God's grace is so important. God's grace is so important. You all have the testimony of God's grace. You all know what God's grace has done. It's amazing how often we forget about it. Let's be honest. How many of us, you know, watch the news and think, oh, my days. We really do need to fix that, and we need to do that, and we need to do that, and if only this would happen, and if only... How many people? Nobody else apart from me? Oh, bless you guys. Thanks. Thanks for that. Just leave me to drown in the mud. Good thing God's hand's going to pull me out, isn't it? So... How many of us do that and how many of us need to be reminded his grace is sufficient for you? His grace is sufficient for you. And what does God's grace do? It does lots of things. But let me remind you, because I know I'm not telling many of you any news whatsoever, but please remember, God's grace opens the door to God's presence. You are not alone. You have a name. And your name is child of God. Guys, that is what grace does. It establishes us with a new identity. So God draws us out of the mud out of the mire, out of the slimy pit, as it says in Psalm 40. And he places our feet on a firm foundation, which is Jesus, which is the word of God, which is the truth. And we know this. But you see, if God is anything. God is unexpected. I mean, I have a theological word for grace. It's bonkers. It's utter madness to anyone who is not saved. It says in the New Testament, this truth of Jesus is freedom and life to those who are saved. But to those who are perishing, it's just bonkers. That's my translation of the Greek. We have to remember what that is like. Grace is always unexpected. But let me ask you a question. You have stood in that slimy pit. You have grasped hold of the Father's hand and he has pulled you out and placed your feet on a rock. Look behind you. You weren't the only one in the pit. How can we not show grace to others when God has shown grace to us? Just take a moment. Now, I don't want to nag and I don't want to shout and I don't want to drive people forward. It's just not worth it. All I want to do is remind you this. You were lost and now you're found 
Grace is free to those who receive it. We received God's grace. We got hold of God's arm. He drew us out and it cost him the life of his son. And I celebrate and thank God that I, I don't have to work for it, as it says in Ephesians. I didn't have to try. I didn't have to do anything because, frankly, if it had been left up to me, the world would be an even bigger mess than it is now. But by grace, by grace, I was drawn back and it cost me nothing because I can't afford it. But it cost Jesus everything. And I don't want to get too heavy. No, actually, I do. I want to get really heavy. <laughs> if we have received grace as a free gift, how can we not give grace to others? Is that fair? Are we willing to pay the price? Because grace is not free to those who give it. Grace is only free to those who receive it. And we have received everything we need in Christ. Everything. Grace is free-ish. Ish. Ish is a great word. And it costs us. But the thing we know as Christians, we genuinely know, even though we are all of us in progress, we are in process of being changed. We are being recreated in the image of Christ. We are becoming more like Jesus. And if we're not, then we're not doing it right. Because it's not about singing and dancing and praying nice words with long justification included somewhere in the prayer. It's about looking like Jesus. It's about being like God. It's about showing that grace. What we know is it is utterly effective. Grace calls us to something else. It establishes us as children of God. It calls us to new freedom. And sometimes, because we are human, because we are not there yet, because we are in the process of growing and changing and being transformed, we forget, we forget that we are completely new. When people look at us, thank God they don't see Nigel. My mother, more than anyone, will understand that phrase. <laughs> they see Jesus. They see Jesus in you. And don't beat yourself up and say, well, that's not very good. Look at me. I'm rubbish at this. I'm rubbish at that. I'm rubbish at the other. I'm all... By grace, you are saved. Through faith. What grace does totally effectively is it reconnects us with our Father. Now, this is no news, good theology, no news to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And we lived in full relationship with God. And there came a point where we said, actually, we can do it under our own strength. And the whole of creation broke. Yes? No news there. Grace reestablishes that connection. Because God wants to. There is no way we can fight and claw and struggle and climb up to God. There is no way. It will never work. We know that. It is by grace we're saved because it is free from God to us free. Cost God his life. And we need to show that grace to others because grace is not just for you. It's for them. People don't deliberately oppose Christian faith. I know it seems like it sometimes. They just don't know. And why should they? But what we have changes everything. Because I still have money issues sometimes. And I still struggle occasionally with depression. And I still struggle with other issues, with insecurities. And I know I'm not the only one. But I never struggle alone. Because he is in me, is greater. And that is the grace thing. And really, what we need to do is respond to this. You see... We are just like the world in many ways. We recognise the darkness. Or is there anybody living under the impression that the world is a lovely, full, light place now? Anyone? Anyone dare stand up and say, yay? We recognise the darkness. And we're not the only ones. But we know how to get the light. We are grace carriers. We are light carriers. We are full of life. So I want us to respond. If you want to. You don't have to. If you're happy and satisfied with being saved, praise God. Oh, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these, my brothers and sisters. But if you recognise the darkness and you want to bring the light, then we need to yearn for Jesus. That may take the form of praying. Intercessors. See, I'm, I'm a surface prayer. I'm one of these people. I mean, I do pray quite a lot, but I'm a surface prayer. Intercessors are the people who get down on their hands and knees and cry for the world because it hurts them so much. Thank God for them. But we need to pray. We need to call on God. We need to go into places. I know that when you and I walk into places, we feel overwhelmed by the darkness sometimes. That is a lie. You are the light of the world because you're created in Christ's image. You carry that grace with you. So, shall I do the old-fashioned thing? What do you reckon? Yeah, okay, right. Do you know the old people in the old days, I'm not talking about the old people looking around you, I'm talking about the really old people, they knew a thing or two and they wrote a few hymns that really are amazing. 
And one of those hymns is the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, this hymn, to some of you, may look like claggy, old-fashioned English language. But let me tell you what it means. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And that light has dawned. And this song is the prayer for that. Come, O Lord God, come save us. It says, come, O root of Jesse. Jesus was the root of Jesse. Come and save us. Rejoice, which means celebrate, enjoy, rejoice. Because light has come. We no longer live, need to live in darkness. So this is what I'm going to invite you to do. You don't have to stand. You genuinely don't have to stand. You don't even have to join in with me if you don't want to. But I'm going to sing this song. And if you stand, you stand in Jesus' name for the light in this world. And there is something else which I really feel you need to remember. The first place you can show grace is by forgiving the people you hate. Because grace is completely undeserved as a gift. But it costs the giver. And I promise you, it will cost you to forgive. But I think that's where it starts. So if, as you are singing, God lays on your heart people who have wronged you, if God lays on your heart people who just lift them up, pray for them, rejoice, because the light has dawned for them too. And you don't, need, you don't need to hold anything against them. By grace, you can rescue, you can love them, you can hold out your hand. So, it's up to you whether you join in or not. Here we go. Part two. <laughs> oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in lonely exile here Until the Son of God appear Rejoice, rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, 
Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O put to flight dark clouds, God. We pray for light and we pray for your light in us. Rejoice.